we uh, if we on? Sounds good, right? We're on. All right. Well, good evening, church. God bless you for uh, coming out tonight. I know a lot of you uh, have been unwell. So, as Pastor mentioned, uh, I was previously in Thailand. Uh, up there, I flew in for TNS, and prior to coming in, fly to TNS. I was healthy, all was well. I was a strong, young man. I flew into TNS, and look, it, it was a blessing. I, I can't complain. But uh, as well as a blessing, I was also met with sickness. Right? We had a lot of people just sick going around. So I say all that to say, you know, I think I probably got what some of you got. So I, I'm glad we can all, you know, share that together. It just, you know. Pastor, it's made this whole structure feel really, you know, more personal. So I'm glad I could be a part of that with you all. No, but I do appreciate. Look, thank you for coming out tonight. I believe, you know, when you honor God, right, when you sacrifice your time for God, God sees that. Uh, and God notices that. And I'm sure the Lord will bless you for it. Look, if you have your Bibles tonight, could you please turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17? 1 Samuel chapter 17, we'll be uh, reading there in a moment. Pastor Hernan, I'd like to say thank you for the opportunity to preach. Uh, I feel very humbled and it's an honor. Thank you. To the church, I would like to say I'm sorry, but uh, I'd like also to say, you know, thank you for your support uh, for keeping us in Thailand. Uh, Really, it is your support that allows us to be on the field and to do what uh, we do, but really it's your prayers that sustain us there. We work in a very uh, dark place and, you know, there's always... Uh, spiritual forces and enemies coming against you. So I appreciate your support. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time, you know, about Thailand, but I will say this, look, the Lord is working. Things are going well. Uh, my wife, Dow, and I, who was here last year, we were able to personally lead someone to the Lord a couple of months ago. Um, and we've had the, you know, privilege blessing just being able to work with her. But look, the Lord's blessing, things have been fruitful. There's a couple of people that uh, I'm in contact with at the moment, so... Things are, you know, things are going well. And look, can I just say this, church? Um, as much as you, you know, support me or have us there, look, anything that uh, is achieved for the Lord over there, you have a part in that. Uh, really, it's just, it's a fruit in your account that the Lord, I'm sure, will repay in heaven one day. So thank you, uh, you know, and it's been, been exciting. The, the longer I'm there, I'm starting to... Um, experience or have these funny missionary moments or stories, if you will. Uh, A few, well, about, yeah, a few months ago now, I was out, we were out soul winning with um, a group of us from the church, Pastor, and I was with one of my Thai men. Now, when we were out, uh, you know, soul winning, actually, we were out giving out tracts, okay? So we were out giving out tracts, but, you know, we like to do our best to try and uh, talk to people when we can or have a conversation. So we came, we approached this one house, and it sort of had a, it had a gate at the front, but how do I explain this? It was one of those gates with bars, right? So you could see through it. I don't know if you would say a see-through gate, not really, but you know, just one of those, one of those bar gates. Anyway, so we're standing out there. We're standing out there and you know, we're calling out, hello, hello, in Thai, obviously we're saying, hello, is anyone there? Uh, we're trying to get in contact with the house owner and nobody was there. We're calling out, no one there, but I tell you who was there. They had a big soy dog in the front of that house, okay? 
And I'm going to tell you, we, we get accosted by soy dogs all the time over there. That's just something we deal with daily. Anyway, so nobody was there, but there was this big soy dog there, and he did not like this look. I'm just going to, probably not, but I'm going to go ahead and say he was demon-possessed. He did not like us being there, all right? He's seen there, har, 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 howling. We're like, yeah, 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 we get it. So anyway, we called out, and we couldn't get it. So I said, so I said to our time man, I said, look, I said, let's just, you know, uh, leave a track in the front, because you know, as long as it's gospel, they have our contact details and a phone number. So <laughs> he walks over, to, and I've got to try and explain this, or else, you know, it's, it's not going to be funny for you guys, it's a hoot for me, but if you guys don't get it. So we walk over the door. Now, this gate, as well as bars, it has a walkthrough door, okay? Now, I'm not sure, forgive me, now this may sound silly, I don't know if we have this in the Brisbane, Australia. You know you have a gate at the front, like a car gate, but there's also a door for a person to walk through? Okay, good. So we're all on the same page here. Okay, so there's a walk. So it had a walk-through gate. So what happened was he went over and near that, you know, walk-in gate was the mailbox of that house. He goes to put it in. And I'm watching him probably about, you know, a meter away, a meter and a half. The dog is following him through and it jumps up on that walking gate. It's going... And then what started to happen, the gate started to open. So now I'm watching this really, you know, demon-possessed soy dog going, and as the gate's going out, out, its legs went over, you know, the, the door step over. And my time, man, I'm like, I told him, like, oh! So he grabbed it, right? And at this point, it's halfway through, it's going, and he's sort of holding there. And then he looks at me, I'm like, so he slowly pushes it back, and the dog's going, and goes all the way back. It was the most funniest thing. Look. A part, a part of me wanted to help him, but you know, another part of me wanted to pull out a phone and started recording. I thought it was the most hilarious thing ever. Anyway, things like that. And then what happened to me recently before, before I got over here, now it's raining in Thailand at the moment. We're going through what they call the uh, monsoon season, right? So we get a lot of rain. Um, and basically what happens, the cycle is it gets really hot, humid, like really, really hot, 40 degrees, 38 degrees. It will be like this for three days, two or three days, and then it storms, right? That's, so that's the cycle, and that's sort of the season we're going in at the moment. We get a lot of rain. Sometimes it's floods. Anyway, so I get home one day, well, apart from that story, and forgive me, part of the sickness spot. I get back one day from, you know, out working, out doing what I do, and it's been raining, okay? And to get, you know, to my room, it's muddy, you know, and I had to go through this, well, we didn't really have a pathway, so, you know, I'm trotting through the mud and the dirt, and I get to my room, I thought, you know what, I don't usually do this, but I thought I'm going to take my shoes off and leave them outside. Now, usually I take my shoes off and uh, put them inside, because to give you some context, we're out at the moment. Uh, me and my wife are actually on the church property because, you know, we're relocating at the moment. But I'll give you some context, you know, we got a lot of wildlife out there, right? It's, um, oh yeah, it's great. We get cobras, scorpions, centipedes, you name it, we've probably seen it. Uh, we get a lot of wildlife out there, okay? and we've we, we got to be careful of that, right? This is Thailand. I mean, you, you get stories all the time of snakes coming under the door. Uh, you, know what's, well, you, you get some stories of snakes coming up the toilet. Sometimes, like, people are sitting on them, and it's, it's awful. Anyways, so I thought, you know what? It's muddy, and, you know, uh, I'm a married man. We all know what girls are like. I thought, if I walk, if I take these shoes inside the house, my wife is going to kill me. So I thought, I'm just going to take them off, leave them outside. So the very next day, I wake up. And I get out, I go get up, do what I do. I slide my, sh- uh, my foot into my shoe and immediately I feel something squish up against my toes. 
it was sort of like when I pushed it in my toes, sort of just curled like that. And it sort of felt like gum, to be honest, something switched up. And I thought, oh no, I'm thinking, please don't be a snake, please don't be a snake. I thought, you know, a cobra's got me, or a scorpion, or a centipede, or something. So I quickly pull my foot out, I pick up my shoe, I tap the turn, and a frog falls out and hits the thing. It just goes, and then hops off. I was like, well, I was like, I mean, I guess that's life to you. I was telling someone up there, they're like, yeah, they're like, classic missionary story. I'm like, well, I mean, praise God. Anyway, all right, so 1 Samuel 17, if you have that open, let's get to the Word of God tonight. I'm going to try and go through this uh, quickly. We're going to look at some verses and then try and draw out some application. Look, and honestly, church, I just want to give you something tonight that I hope will be encouraging. You know, just some biblical uh, principles and, you know, truths that I think has, has helped me, you know, or has it's been true in my life. So let's go ahead and read and then we'll try and get some application from it. Now, you're in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, for time's sake, we're going to jump a little bit. We're going to start from reading verses 23 uh, to 25. Then we're going to go from 31 to 33, 37 to 40. Now, if you missed that, don't worry. We'll, uh, we'll read that together. So, verse, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting in verse 23. The Bible says this, And as he talked with them, uh, this is talking about David, Behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words and David heard them and all the men of Israel when they saw the man fled from him and were sore afraid and the men of Israel said have ye seen this man that is come up surely to defy Israel he has come up and it shall be that the man who killeth him the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel and if you look over with me from verse 31, we'll read verse 31 to 33, same chapter. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And then lastly now, if we jump down to verse 37 to verse 40 here, David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of his Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed with him a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in his shepherd's bag, which he had, even a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Okay, so here we read a, the very you know, well-known or familiar story of David and Goliath which I can imagine most of you would have uh, heard of before or are familiar with. So during this point of time, uh, Israel is warring against the Philistines. The Bible tells us in Shoko in verse 1, and can I say this was really a normal event for Israel. 
And what I mean by that is Israel was constantly, they always had enemies, right? Israel was constantly fighting with enemies throughout the Bible. And that's, you know, one of the reasons why Saul was chosen as king. Uh, you remember in the previous chapters, the Lord came to Samuel and said, you know, I have heard the cry of my people, you know, go anoint Saul. And part of that was so, you know, he could fight and push back all of the enemies uh, that they had. And really, he did for the most part. But I mean, you know, when it, when it wasn't the Philistines, Israel was always fighting something else. And I think, isn't it true as God's people, we are constantly in battle with the enemy. You know, the battle never stops. Uh, it will one day, Lord will in heaven, but as long as we're on earth, we're constantly, you know, in warfare with our enemy. And then what we have going on here, uh, just quickly, you sort of have Israel on one mountain, you sort of have the Philistines, you know, encamped on another mountain, and then, you would have this, and then you have this valley in the middle where both the armies would come uh, to battle. And, you know, as we just read, and as you know, Israel is facing a little bit of a problem here. What problem are they facing? Well, thank you for asking. Goliath, the giant, what the Bible, you know, what the Bible calls our champion, would come down, he would stand before the armies of Israel, Israel sorry, and he would begin to curse them. Now, this had been going on for 40 days. Right? Think about that, 40 days. I have been in this country for about 14 days, and it's felt like months. Now, that's probably just because, you know, I'm missing my family at home, but I'm thinking, you know, if, if just, you know, a few days, right, 10 or 14 days can feel this long. You know, try and imagine, 40 days this went on. For 40 days, you know, this champion would come down and curse them. And the Bible tells no, no man had the heart to face Goliath. We read in verse 24, when the men saw him, they got sore afraid and they fled, right? So then David shows up to the scene and really David is sent, he was sent by his father, okay? Really David wasn't meant to be here. Uh, he was just here delivering supplies for his brother and so happened to, you know, come down in this moment. Now, we need to remember at this point of his life, David is just a young boy. Um, you know, we want to say early teens, probably, you know, a lot younger than that, but he's just a young boy. He's not a soldier at this moment. Uh, like I said, he really wasn't supposed to be there. He wasn't a great king yet, though he would become a man of warfare, and though he would become one of Israel's greatest king, we weren't at this point yet. Really, David was just a little boy, and he was a shepherd, really. He, he looked after his father's sheep. So David arrives at the battle. He hears the words of Goliath, and, says, and he says, you know, who is this uncircumcised dog that he would dare curse the army of Israel, right? Basically, David got there and said, you know, who is this guy? You know, who, you know, he heard this and he said, I think David's a little bit angry, truthfully. He says, who is this guy? So when David hears this, he says to Saul, he says, look, he says, I'll fight him, right? And then I want us to look at Saul's response here in verse 33. I want you to see the first thing, and this is Saul speaking David, the first thing he tells David is that he can't. Right, you see that? He said, thou art not able. Now, this is not my message tonight, but I do want to say, you know, don't let anybody tell you what you can and what you can't do. You know, the truth is, more times than not, uh, I think people will give you a reason why you can't do something, right? You know, but don't listen. It is not, uh, it is not man who determines what you can or can't do, but rather, you know, it's God who will determine what you can and what you can't do. Now, Pastor Jezida, who some of you, uh, I think actually Pastor Jezida came many years back. I'm not sure if any of you remember him 
or not. Now, he was actually in the console one this, this morning preaching for us, which was nice. But I remember Pastor Hernan, Pastor Jedidah preached at our conference in Thailand a few years ago. He preached a message in Thai, but it was titled this. It was titled, Practice Telling Yourself You Can. Or maybe it could be translated as, in, Get in the Habit of Telling Yourself You Can. And I remember he preached on the... Um, uh, in my head, I'm trying to get it. All right, the 12, the 12 spies of Canaan, right? Caleb and Joshua, 10 gave a evil report to him, but it was very good. He said, practice, he said, practice, you know, get in the habit of telling yourself you can. Because, brethren, let me tell you, if God is in something, okay, if it's of God and God is in it, you can, right? It will always happen. Can I say this, you know, don't, don't let yourself tell you you can't. Now, I don't know each and one of you I don't know what sort of you know, personality you may have or your confidence level, so to say. I know myself, you know, I used to be a somewhat confident person. Um, I don't know what happened to me, but you know, I find, look, I find a lot of times, it's not just I'm constantly telling myself I can't, but I feel like I'm constantly telling the Lord I can't. You know, many times in Thailand, the Lord will place something in my heart or tell me to do something, and I'll be saying, Lord, I can't, I can't. I can't, you know, and I've had to learn to try and tell myself, you know, you can, you can, you know, why? Because it's not you who'll do it, it's God. I remember uh, one of my best friends in Thailand, we were having lunch one day, and look, God bless him, we all need a friend like this. He, I was just seeing him one day, and he was being honest, he was being genuine, he said, you know, he said, I have more faith in you than you have in yourself. And I thought, hmm. I thought, you know, I thought, isn't that funny how, you know, others will believe more, you know, more in you than we'll believe in ourselves. And then, you know, I remember my wife told me one day, she's like, she said, you know, she said, more people, she said, other people have more confidence in you than you have in yourself. When she said, oh, when she said that, I sort of just looked at her and went, it's probably true. <laughs> but, look, I had to practice telling myself, you can, you can. When the Lord is in something, you can. Because remember, with our God, all things are possible. So anyway, we get back to here, we see his first response, Paul's initial response to David. David said, yeah, he said, I'll, I'll fight him. Paul said, you can't. He said, David, he said, you're just a kid. He said, this man has, you know, basically been soldier, been fighting since a kid. And look, I don't think Saul was trying to discourage David, okay? Uh, I think he was just, you know, telling him what he saw, right? He probably, you know, admired David's willingness and you know, hard to go, but thought, well, you know, kid, you're just, you know, you're small, and this guy's been, he's been fighting since small, you know, you're a bit out of your league, kid, but, so then David starts to explain to him, uh, we, well, we read, but he starts to explain the scripture, look, you know, I told, the Lord helped me defeat a bear, the Lord helped me defeat a lion, and essentially he tells all, you know, the Lord is with me, he said, okay, he said, don't, don't, don't worry about me, he said, God is with me, and then notice with me here, please, what happens in verse 38, we see Saul begins to put his armor on David. Okay. And as David is equipped with Saul's armor, now watch what he says here in verse 39. It's in the, uh, it's in the middle and it's towards the end there. Watch, watch what David says here. He says, for I have not proved them. And that really brings us to our first thought tonight is using uh, what God has given you. Using what God has given you. You know, I wonder what it was like when Saul started placing all this heavy armor on such this little boy, you know. I, I have a big imagination, and I like to imagination, uh, imagine things. And I wonder, you know, when he put that helmet of brass on his head, I wonder if that, you know, jolted his head a little. 
Uh, now, I recently just became a father, which has been a, been a blessing, but being, uh, it's been good. But you know, one of the first things they teach you, one of the first things the doctors will tell you at the hospital when they hand you the baby is this, watch its head. Right? They'll tell you support its head. I remember the first time I held my daughter, all the Thai nurses were looking. They thought this, this poor girl, this, this big white boy is about to take her out. I remember sort of holding her like this, you know, like head, 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 and then brought it up. But one of the first things I'll tell you is what's her head. Why? Because, you know, the, they don't have the neck strength, right, to be able to support the weight of her head. So, you know, I wonder when Saul, because here we have this little boy, I wonder when Saul placed that helmet on David, if that sort of, you know, dropped, 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 you know, sort of dropped his head a little bit. I even wonder when he started to put this, you know, chest plate on him, if that sort of, you know, shrunk his stature even more or threw him back a little. But, you know, when David wore that armor, he just, he knew it wasn't going to work for him. Okay. It, it was not something that he was accustomed to. Just, it didn't feel right. And David tells Saul, he said, he said, I, he said, I have not proved it. Basically, what he was saying is, Saul, you know, I, I know this armor works for you, but it, it's not going to work for me. Can I say this? Though Saul's armor was used to win him many battles, it wasn't going to work for David. I feel like I need to say that again just because there's wisdom in that. Though Saul's armor was used to win him many battles, it wasn't going to work for David. Why? Because David hadn't proved it. Now, what David had proven was his sling. And you might say, well, you know, how do you know that? Or what makes you think that? And look, I think, I think we see that in his confidence and choice uh, in using that to face the giant. Now, please don't misunderstand me. David was confident in God, right? But you see, David knew God was going to use the sling that he had. He was confident that with God and with his sling, he would be able to get the job done. Now, we know prior to this, David had defeated a lion and a bear. And look, I know the Bible doesn't say he defeated them with a sling. I know he says, you know, he caught the lion and all, but I don't know the bear. I think it's possible, you know, but who knows? But look, I think this. David was a shepherd, and I think as a shepherd, David would have had a lot of time to practice. Now, I don't know if you've done any shepherding before, or if you've seen it, but truthfully, guys, it's not a very exciting job. Now, we're in a very rural area in Taiwan. I know some people personally who look after cattle or buffaloes, and all, all day, man, they'll wake up early in the morning, they'll go to their cattle, they'll get their buffalo, wake them up, go out, you know, they'll go across the road and everyone's got away, cause some traffic anyway, and then they'll get them into the field, you know, and they just, you'll, you'll watch them and they just, they have a lot of time to just sit, all right, and monitor cattle. Now, I don't think I could personally do it. I, I, I sat with one, I went out with one of them one day, I think I lasted about 20 minutes. We were seen on the field, we're standing there, I'm trying to be a little bit spiritual about this as well, you know, just thinking how buffaloes or ox, you know, fitted in the Bible and how God used them. Truthfully, anyway, we were standing there for about 20 minutes and, you know, at the start, I'm like, wow, I'm thinking, such a majestic beast. I'm like, they're so big and I'm thinking, wow, I'm thinking, God, that's amazing. And, you know, the next five, and then five minutes later, I was over it. I was done. I was like, all right, well, I was like, I was ready. I thanked them for bringing me out, said, thank you, you know. God be with you and left. But look, I say that to say, it's not, it's not a very exciting job, right? And look, it's, it, it's not in the Bible, but I, I just think personally David would have had a lot of time to practice with his sling, watching those sheep. 
Now, I can, look, I can just imagine David standing in the field, grabbing his sling, you know, maybe lining up a tree, practicing and, you know, going running, getting another stone, practicing, right? I mean, he, he had the time for it, at least. And, you know, I shared that, I shared that idea or that thought with one of our Thai men uh, with us. I said, yeah, I said, you know, I said, just that. I said, you know, I think David probably, I think, you know, Shepney, that's probably where he got most practice this thing. He said, no, no, no. He said, David had to wake up early in the morning, right? He said he had to rise up to look after his sheep. He said, by the time he got to the afternoon, he said he would have been tired and he would have just slept under the tree. I said, well, I said, you're only saying that because that's something you would do, but I said, you know... I told him, but no, we, we were just joking. It was good fun. But look, it's this. Either way, David had proven the sling, all right? He knew God used that. When David picked up the sling, when David did this, he knew something was going to happen. And the lesson is this. You should be starting to identify in your life what God is using. Okay. Be looking for the pattern and the things uh, in your life that God uses. Now, if you don't know yet, or you say, well, you know, I haven't really thought about that, I'm not quite sure, there's nothing wrong with that, all right? God will show you. Wait on God, and God will show you. But ask yourself, you know, answer, and don't, don't answer out loud. I mean, answer in your heart. Just ask yourself, you know, what is it in your life that God is blessing, all right? What, ask yourself, what, what am I doing that God is blessing? You know, I watch people in Thailand, and I, I really believe, you know, for some, it's evangelism. I've watched some, you know, when they go out in the villages and they meet with some of, you know, the older people, God really blesses and uses that, you know. He's just given them a real special way to be able to connect with those people. You know, they'll go out, it's our older person, they'll sit down, you know, they'll hold each hand, the older people will love them, will put their hand around them, and, you know, they'll share the gospel or talk to them or whatever, and God really uses that. Um... I think for some, you know, it's a simple thing as encouragement. You know, there are some people that just, and it's God-given, but there are just some people who have the gift of encouragement. Now, I don't know if you've ever met a person like that, uh, but really, everyone needs to know a person like that. I think sometimes that's, you know, my friend in Thailand, you know, but have you ever met someone like that? You just, you know, you can have a bad week or a bad day, you might have something happen, and really, it doesn't matter what anybody says or what anybody does, you're just not feeling it. You don't want to talk to anyone. You don't want to see anyone. And then you, you, you see this person, you know, and if we're being honest, you probably don't even want to see that person. But you see that person and you talk to them and they just have a way of making you feel better. You, you don't know what it is about them, but you, you just leave that conversation or you leave talking to that person and you just feel better. You know? I don't know sure if you've ever met someone like that, but, you know, it's a gift, right? And seriously, God, God uses that, right? When they get around and they encourage the brethren or whatever it may be, trying to uplift someone, God will bless that. I think um, for some people it's giving, you know? Uh, God will purpose, purposely, sorry, increase someone's substance so they can give more. And what I found is this, is, you know, it's usually the people that have a heart to give uh, is that God will, you know, increase, you know, and bless them really for that reason. It's not so much for themselves, but, you know, so they will give others. And we have a, uh, we have a church, a church couple like that in Nakonsa One that I think of, you know, that just, that just givers. He's, um, you know, they have a personal business and it's done really well. You can tell the Lord is just, you'd, and I, I don't want to say because you might, you know, people might start putting the pieces together, those who have been up there. But truthfully, if I told you what his business was, you'd, you'd, you'd probably laugh. You'd think, huh, 
you think, how does he make you know, money doing that? You know, he just, they have a heart to give. And they don't go around showcasing it, by the way. Uh, they don't tell anyone. In fact, they try and keep it, you know, as quiet as possible. They just do it, okay? But I've watched them, and without them, you know, trying to show anyone, they'll help someone, uh, you know, they'll try and be a blessing with fuel, and they'll just give, give, give. And what I've noticed is this, is God has used them and blessed them in that. It's because of that God has, you know, purposely increased them so they can give. And God blesses that. Look, <coughs> I think for some, uh, it's music, you know. It's like Pastor Hernan was saying tonight. That's just, you know, music is a ministry. And I think for some, truthfully, they have a, a God-given ability to minister through music. Uh, and I'm thankful for those people, you know. I'm really not musically inclined uh, if you haven't heard me sing, there's probably a reason for that. But uh, I just, I'm, you know, if, if it was life and death, I would die. Literally, if somebody, if somebody put a gun to me, right, or had a knife thing and said, hold this note or you die, well, that's my ministry wrapped up right there. I mean, I'm gone. So, you know, sing. But, you know, a lot of people sometimes, they don't, they don't realize that when they're in music, you know. I was talking to someone in Sydney last week who, you know, said it's okay, so who just writes songs and... You know, he was being humble. He's like, you know, have even lunch with him. He's like, yeah, he's like, you know, well, because I'm telling him that's great, that's awesome, you know. He's like, every, he's like, he's like, you know, everyone writes songs. I'm like, they don't. I'm like, you don't see me writing any songs. I'm like, you don't see me standing up and, you know, doing the solo or, you know, the special song because there wouldn't be a church left after that. But I'm like, you know, I said, no. I said, really? I said, that's special. I said, God's given that. And what you see in that man's life is God has used that. All right? God has just given him an ability with music that he has used and he's blessed. Now look, and if you're someone here who's saved today, you have something. Look, if you're, if you're here tonight and you know, you're trusting in Jesus, you're born again, just raise your hand quickly. Great. My message is, you know, you have something. All right? You can, God has given you something. And identify what God is using in your life. And can I say this? Furthermore, use what God has given you. Look, for David, that was his sling. Uh, he had not proven the armor, but he had proven the sling. And furthermore, David used what God has given, uh, gave him. And really, that brings us to our second, second thought tonight is this. A fit for somebody else is not necessarily a fit for you. A fit for somebody else is not necessarily a fit for you. Look, armor back then, well, no, armor back then was something... Uh, it was not something you bought off the rack, right? Okay? The blogs didn't wake up and say, all right, honey, I'm off you know, armor shopping today. I'm going to go pick a color I like, you know, what, what emphasizes my chest and where that. It was nothing like that. Armor back in that day was something that was tailored made. It was specifically designed, specifically, sorry, designed and made for that person. Right? So it would be like this suit. Now, this suit, I can say, you might not look good in this suit. Now, this suit might... Um, when you put this suit, because oh, I'm turning into a big boy, when you put this suit on, you might, it, might, it might make you feel small. You know? Why? Because this is, it's my suit, right? It was tailored-made to my design, my height, my length, my liking, right? And that's sort of how armor was back in that day. I remember, well, he still has it, and uh, anyway, context, I better tell the story first. I remember Dad, Dad has this brown jacket he likes to preach in. All right? Now, me and Pastor Joe, we're doing a... I mean, God forbid, but we said, if, you know, if something happens to Dad, it's going to be war for me and him to whoever gets that jacket. But Dad has this brown jacket that he likes to preach in. And you might be thinking, what, what's so special about this brown jacket? 
reverent. I don't know what it is. Actually, I do know what it is. It's God. But every time he wears, every time he wears that brown jacket, he just preaches a bang. You know what I mean? I mean, the Holy Spirit just moves. Truthfully, every time, when, when he puts that jacket, it's like we hear the sound of rushing wind. So anyways, I, I said to Dad one day, and I was partly joking, I got into the office, I said, Dad, I said, can I wear your jacket? He sort of, and you know, my dad's not really big jokes, jokes man. He looked at me, he said, what? I said, I said, can, you, I, said can I wear your jacket? He said, no, no. He said, if you put it on, he said, you'll explode. He said, he, said too, he, said too much, he said, too much power for you. I said, okay. Anyway, so he let me put it on. It's a long story. He was joking. So anyway, he put it on. <laughs> I put it on. And we're standing there. And Pastor Joe was in the room too. So this was a little bit more special. And we're all standing there. And they go to me. Dad and Pastor Joe, they go, I'm wearing his jacket. And by the way, it, it made me feel small. But I'm wearing it. I'm like, uh, he asked me, sorry. He said, how do you feel? I said, well... I sort of lift my eye, looked at him. I said, I see men walking as trees. <laughs> if you understood that reference, God bless you. But anyway, that, that's just a joke. Look, I tell you say, that was dad's jacket, right? And the thing we need to understand here, look, this was Saul's armor, right? And Saul's armor was not made for David. Yes, it worked for Saul, but that didn't mean it was going to work for him. You know why? Because it wasn't made or given to David. You see, you're not meant to be anybody else. You're meant to be you. And look, now we're, very brief, look, now we're talking more than just using what God has uh, given you, but also, you know, uh, being who you're meant to be. Look, can I say this? Being who God wants you to be. There was a preacher, a great preacher named Jack Harles, and he said this, one of his quotes, he said this. He said, and I love this quote, he said, if you be who you ought to be, you'll do what you ought to do. And I'm a big believer in that. I think that's great. I think, you know, if you just, <laughs> he hit it on the head. If you just be the person God wants you to be, you'll do the thing God wants you to do. Now, I think what happens is sometimes we see things that will work for other people. And we can, you know, don't say fall in the trap, but, you know, we can try and mimic or copy that. Now, is that okay to say? Now, we can sort of think or get in this mindset of, well, you know, if it works for them, then it will work for me. And I'll give you an example. That same preacher, Jack Harles. Now, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Jack Harles or not. Great, great preacher. Um, not my generation, unfortunately. I really wish I had. Dad's met him. and He's been influential in Dad's life. I really wish that I you know, had the opportunity to meet him. But that's okay. We'll all see him one day in heaven. But this preacher, Jack Harles, tremendous, tremendous preacher, powerhouse of the day. One of, one of, one of the best. You know, Jack Harles had a health condition and part of this health condition, it would make him cough while he preached, right? So I don't know, if you go back and listen to some of his old sermons, you'll hear this. The Lord told us, <coughs> here we need to go <coughs> and believe it. <coughs> and that's just how he preached, right? And it was just part of his health condition. So what happened was this great preacher, Jack Harles, he had a uh, Bible college, but I think it was Anderson Harles, is that right, Pastor? Yeah, college. And now what happened is we started to have some of these young preachers coming out of that college and these guys were, you know, perfect, healthy boys, nothing wrong with them, no health conditions that we knew of. But we had some of these younger preachers on the rise coming up. And then what happened is, told, when they got up to preach, they would start to mimic that. They would start coughing. And again, not perfectly healthy. So, <clears throat> good evening, church. <clears throat> Turn in your Bibles tonight. 
and they would start to try and mimic jackass. Now, truthfully, if you ask me why they did that, I, I don't know. I don't really see the logic of that, but I guess in their mind they thought, well, you know, if it, maybe it did something for him, maybe it would do something for us. But look, I think sometimes, I give that example and say, I think sometimes that's a mindset we can all, or we can fall into sometimes. Look, turn to Proverbs chapter 5, verse 15. We'll read that in just a moment. And really, this is a, <laughs> this is a verse that, um, that has helped me when preparing sermons. Look, I remember the first time I had to preach. I was 17, and I'm going to be honest, I didn't really want to. I never really asked to. Oh, no, not I never really. I just, I never asked to. I wasn't a fan of the idea. I just remember, I think it was Dad or Pastor, I think it was Dad came to me one day and said, you're preaching. And, you know, what do you say to that? As the Lord leads, so, but, you know, I remember, I just, you know, I didn't want to preach. So, but here's what I did. So my initial thought process, or here's what I did initially back then. When I found out I had to preach, and keep in mind, I'm 17, so, you know, young adults can't get amen. When you're young, you do dumb stuff. Um, or, you know, you, you're not the smartest. Anyway, so I was 17, I thought, look, I thought, this is what I'd do. I thought, I'll just go back, listen to Dad's sermon, you know, find one of his bangers, and whip one of that out, right? And, you know, at the time, I had access to some of Dad's notes, so I thought, you know, I'd do this, and this sounds so shameful. Look, Pastor Herman's not going to ask me to preach after this, but sometimes I would Google a sermon. I would go into Google and I'd type in, you know, great biblical sermons or truth. Very, very important, KJV. And then, you know, I would, I, would, <laughs> I would try and find something and think, look, I'm just going to use that. And that really was my whole technique. And look, if you ask me, well, how did that go for you? I don't know what to tell you. It worked. It honestly worked. I, um, I remember... I had to preach, I think it was a Friday night, so our midweek service over there. I just got him back from, again, America with Dad. Dad said, you know, can you preach? I'm like, oh, sure, I can't say no. I said, look, I said, can I have, there was one of these sermons I did, uh, that he did, sorry, in America, and I said, can I have your notes for that? He said, yes. He said, you can have my notes. I said, great, thank you. So I took his notes, and look, okay, I, did, I, did, I didn't preach directly from his notes. I typed up, you know, my own notes, but it was sort of his notes, if that makes sense. It really just made me feel better. But anyway, so I took his sermon. I remember preaching that Friday night. It was the message title was The Man of God. And I remember there, and I'm preaching away. Pastor Joe's translating. And then, you know, some of our church members, people of this church, started crying. Right? I was preaching, and I was talking. And I just thought, wow. I thought, this must be really connecting. I thought, man, go dad. But I was like, it was a thing. But, you know, it felt awful. But look. And then the Lord told me one day, he said, you know, the Lord told me, he said, stop. He said, you stop that. And then really the Lord directed me to this or showed me this verse uh, in Proverbs. Did I say five? Chapter, 15, uh, chapter five, verse 15? Is that what I said? All right, we're good. And we got the right verse. And the Bible says this. It says, drink waters out of thy own uh, cistern and running waters out of thy own well. And look, you know, the Lord was telling me that, you know, I'm the one who gave you, you know, your well. I'm going to be the one who will give you your water. But, you know, and I will, I will help you draw truths out of my words. But, you know, don't, 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 you know, you don't have to copy someone else's outline. I felt that's what the Lord told me. So I thought, okay. So praise God. I stopped that. And now I just get my wife to do my outline. So <laughs> no, I'm joking. But look, I said that, that you don't need to take from another person, all right? And you don't, need, you don't need to try and be another person. Look, I think we all need to, can I say this? 
understand and also appreciate our uniqueness, right? You understand that there's only one of you in this earth, or really in this, in this life. Okay, there's only going to ever be one Pastor Hernan, there's only ever going to be one Andrew Barnes, uh, there's only ever going to be one Mrs. Blake. There's only one, right? And nobody else is like you, right? And God has made us, you know, he's, God has purposely designed us all differently, all right, unto his cause and what he's given us, what he would have us to do. But, you know, appreciate, understand and appreciate your, uh, your uniqueness, sorry. And, you know, don't, don't try and be somebody else, you know, just, just be you. Like I said, God, God's made you special. There's only one of you and there only will ever be a one of you. And really Saul, we're almost done here, and really Saul was asking David to wear something, you know, that was made for him. Now, I want you to think about this. Saul had an opportunity, for, what did we say? For, 40 days this has been going on. Now, and again, I'm a big, you know, imagined person. I'm trying to get this picture in my mind. Here you have this giant coming out, hey, whatever, cursing. And what was Saul doing at this time? Because remember, Saul, because, okay, let's, 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 let's break it down for him. Let's say this, all right? So Goliath may have been the champion, but you know, you know who, he wasn't a giant, but you know who the big boy of Israel was? It was Saul. You know who was anointed by God to fight the Philistines? It was Saul. And sometimes I wonder why this was happening. Where was Saul? You know, I just see this picture of Goliath coming out, taunting the army, saying, you know, send me somebody. And then I see, you know, the group of Israel over here, you know, probably maybe Saul over here, and I can just see them going, uh, Saul, captain, king, this is you. And Saul, you know, he, he had 40 days, right? 40 days, and he did nothing. So, and really that's, you know, it was something that was made for him, and Saul was trying to put that on David, and David said, you know, that's, David said, that's, that's not me. You know, a fit for somebody else is not necessarily a fit for you. And then lastly tonight, thank you, you've done uh, very well. I appreciate your, your attention. Tonight, uh, our last thought is this. God can take a little, uh, sorry, God can take a small thing that you have and use it in a great way. God can take a small thing that you have and use it in a great way. You know, a sling, a sling in a wall is not that impressive, right? Especially in today's, you know, modern world. Now we got uh, gadgets, things I can't even say, you know, nukes, bombs, planes, tanks, what, what would you? But, you know, if you think about it, even back then in that age, a sling wasn't that impressive, right? I think we would all agree that, you know, a sword, spear, maybe a bow, a shield, they're all generally more, more effective than what a sling would be. And here in the middle, to have the battle between Israel and Philistine, the Philistines, sorry, you have a little boy coming, holding his staff and his sling. Now, what is Goliath thinking at this point? Again, can you imagine, here it is, he's calling out, you know, this sounded like crazy, I'm sure he wanted the best of the best, you know, he said, he said, send me your best one. He said, who is he? So here's Goliath probably expecting, you know, some skilled, you know, Israeli master war, I don't know, something, right? And here he is. And what he gets is a little kid just running out with his staff in his sleep. Man, Goliath is probably laughing at this point. He's probably a little bit offended. He's probably thinking, oh, he said, he said, am I a dog? He said, is this a joke? It's like, I call for the best man you have. He said, and then firstly, you send me a kid. He's like, you send me a little boy, and then on top of that, you don't even give him a proper weapon. You know, you didn't even equip him properly. I don't, I don't see his sword. Where's his shield? 
worth his bow, like a sling, you know. What, he's probably a glyph at that point, he's probably thinking, well, you know, what, what, what's he going to do? And have you ever looked at something in your life and maybe thought that? You know, uh, God, what is it that I'm going to do? You know, what is it that I have that I can do? You know, I don't have great armor like that man. Um, or I don't even have, you know, a decent weapon to deal with this situation. You know, and this is, this is war. What, what am I going to do? Or maybe it's this. Have you ever thought this? Lord, you know, how, with what you've given me, you know, how can I be used or effective in this situation? And we see a wonderful, we're almost done, a wonderful truth here is this. God used that sling to defeat that giant. And if you'd read with me, if you'd go back to 1 Samuel chapter 17, our last verse tonight, if we read verse 50, it's a great, great verse. We see a great truth here. 1 Samuel 17, the Bible reads in verse 50, So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Wow, isn't that a wonderful truth? Look, don't miss that detail in the end of verse 50. God said, you know, write, write it down. People need to be clear, need to understand that, you know, there was no sword in the hand of David. Okay? This, was, uh, this was not done by a sword. A sword, sorry. This was not done by Saul's armor. Or this was not done by anything else. It was a sling and a stone. And a lot of times, you know, we think that we need to have some great gift or talent or it can maybe even be resources before we can do great things for God. And the truth is that, or that, you know, the truth is that is simply not true. In fact, many times in the Bible, God would purposely take something that was small and would use it in a big way. And that's really seen throughout all the, all the Bible. We see that here with David and Goliath. You know, we see that really with Israel. We won't turn the, but the Bible says in Deuteronomy 7.7, 7, talking about Israel, he said, you know, God said, I didn't choose you because you were a lot, in number, you were big. He said, I chose you because you were the fewest fewest in number really that's just you know the power and the greatness of our God he had the ability to take a small thing that you have and use it in a great way look and I think a lot of the times uh, sometimes you won't even understand it what God can do you know you'll just think well yeah but you know it was only a dollar you might say yeah but you know it was only one conversation uh yeah but you know it was it was only 20 minutes. And what, you know, might not seem like much in man's eye, God will take that and use it to do a big thing. I mean, he did it in David's life. Yeah, he said, God said, let's be clear. He said, he said, let's be clear. He said, there was no hand found. Sorry, no sword found in the hand of David. And look, can I just say this as we close, you know, never think you need what another man has in order to do great things for God. Look, if you just have a willing heart, uh, say, look, Lord, use me in whatever you've given me. Take my small thing and use it. God will, God will happily take that and he will use that in a mighty way. So that's really the message I have for you tonight. Hopefully that just encourages you. Uh, like I said, I found these helpful in my life, particularly in ministry, but I think, you know, there's application for everyone. Uh, not just those, you know, in ministry or full-time ministry, but I think there's something for everyone. So use what God has given you. Uh, fit for somebody else is not necessarily fit for you. Don't be somebody else, be you. And God will use the thing that he's given you to do great things. Thank you.